0: Well, it's wonderful just to bring the word of God to you today, and my prayer today is that the Lord would inspire us, that he would stir us, that there would be an impartation of faith into our hearts, because you know, everything that comes from God comes to us through faith. As we receive something by faith, when we believe what the scriptures say, it becomes a reality in our lives. That's how the things of God work. They work by faith. And so today that's my prayer is that through what I'm going to say, through what we're going to hear as we read the scriptures, I pray that the Lord would open our eyes and that there would be a new vision, a fresh vision of what Jesus, our Lord, came to this earth, died on a cross and rose again to bring to us and give to us. And so, what I want to do is, I want to read today from Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to do something today that is not done that often in church. I'm going to read the whole chapter. You know, you may sit there and say, What's going on here? You know, it won't take that long. I want to read the whole chapter. You know, the apostles wrote the New Testament, they wrote these letters. For example, the, the letter of Romans. And what I see happening is I see in the church the disciples would take these letters and they would read the whole letter in the church. Now I don't think we've ever done that, Ian. (laughs) And everyone would listen to it and they would hear the whole context, the whole message that was being taught and brought forth through these letters. And so I think sometimes today we do ourselves a disservice because we don't read the Bible. We've become verse Christians. We have our favorite verse stuck up on our refrigerator and we can quote a few verses. But how much more rich would we be if we just read the scriptures? We read them. And even if we don't understand everything we're reading, we still read them. And so that's what I want to do today. Romans chapter 8. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 39. It's going to test my reading skills. (laughs) Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do... Weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. cannot please God however you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ he does not belong to him if Christ is in you though the body is dead because of sin yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit... You are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God and if children heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the... For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the firstfruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Isn't that an amazing passage of Scripture? In John chapter 3 and verse 3, we... See the Lord Jesus make a statement. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When he talked about someone being born again, what was he speaking about? Paul describes it in this way in 2 Corinthians chapter five and verse 17, where he writes this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God. Being born again, number one, is the result of the work of God in someone's life. God is the one who gives birth to his children. Secondly, it is that person becoming a completely brand new person inside, becoming a new creature as Paul puts it. And thirdly, it is the start of a brand new life. A brand new life. That's what being born again refers to. If this life ends and you're born again, you're starting a brand new life. When does this happen? When does this being born again occur in someone's heart. It occurs when they hear the gospel and having believed it turn to God in repentance and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And it is no more wonderfully symbolized or illustrated than by baptism which happened just a few Sundays ago here. What is baptism? It is symbolizing that new birth where someone who declares he's dead to his old life, is buried in the water, and is raised again a new creature to begin a completely new way of life, a brand new person. That's what it symbolizes. Do you realize that in this passage, this chapter that we've just been reading, Paul is describing this new life That when someone is born again, enters into. He is here trying to portray in vivid language what takes place and what happens the moment someone steps out of darkness into the light of God, steps away from the authority of Satan and moves into the kingdom of God, is transferred into the kingdom of God. I want to just bring out to you seven things that we see in this chapter. This chapter is so full of depth that Ian and Craig could spend seven Sundays at least just talking about what's in here. But what I want to do today is I just wanna give you an overview because in this overview, what I believe God wants us to get today is a vision, a picture in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits of what Jesus Christ came to bring us into, this new life, that we who believe, we who have turned to Christ and put our faith in him, have entered into. You see, as we read this passage, what we also need to bear in mind is that Paul is not just painting some theoretical words here. He's actually describing his experience because he wants us To be able to walk in it and experience it daily as well. As uh, the last few weeks as Ian and Craig have been leading us through the series, the Toolbox. I think it's called the Toolbox series, isn't it? They have been talking about practical things. And what are those practical, why have they been doing it? What are those practical things uh, given to us? It is given to us to enable us to walk Fully in this new life—that's what Scripture has been given to us for, so that we can enter in to the fullness of what God has given us by His grace. Isn't that wonderful? Christianity is not just a doctrine; it is doctrine. But you know that every doctrine is reality. It's not just theory. And it needs to be a part of our lives every day. And so I just wanna give you this overview. Let me go through these seven points. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on them. And I'm gonna put them up there on the overhead so that you can see them. And through this, I want, and I'm asking and I'm praying that God will give you a vision of what he's called us into. So let's go. The first aspect that we see of this new life is that it is a life emanating from a new relationship. It's a life emanating from a new relationship. A new relationship with Jesus Christ. He talks here about us being in Christ, where we belong to him. How many of you have a real sense of belonging to Jesus Christ? How many of you have a real sense in your heart that you are united with him, that he is in you, that you are in him, that there is an unbreakable union between you and the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the relationship that Paul is talking about here with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he uses this phrase, in Christ. It's like a branch that's been grafted in to the vine. They become one. That's what's happened in our lives. We are not separated from him. We don't look at him from afar. We are united with him. We are joined together with him. We are married to him. That's the kind of relationship when we are born again, we enter into. It's also a relationship with God the Father. We see here in this passage how Paul talks about the fact that we have been adopted as sons and as daughters into the very family of God. And God has become our father. Once again, we don't see God as far away as someone that is removed from us, someone that we look upon from afar, but we have been joined to him in a relationship that is as close as any relationship we can have. Isn't that wonderful to know? And in this relationship, We are his children, and if we are his children, we have become heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if we get the full understanding of what that means. When we say that we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, do you know what it means? It means that everything that has been created, heaven earth, everything in them belongs to us. That's God's plan for his church. Because the Bible says that everything that was created was created through the Lord Jesus Christ and for him. The Bible says that he is the heir of all things. And right here, Paul is saying, we are his joint heirs. If we could see the plan that God has put together for his people, our lives would never be the same again. This is an eternal plan that God is working out in every single one of our lives. And this is what God has called us as sinful human beings to inherit. This is the grace of God. The second thing about this life, is it up there, is that it is a life fortified by the assurance that God is for us. Do you believe that God is for you? Do you know it says that if God is for us, what can be against us? This life is fortified by the knowledge, the truth that God has chosen us and that there is nothing that can work against us, that even Jesus Christ is interceding for us at the right hand of God today, and that there is nothing that can defeat or harm us. Do we really believe this? Do we believe it when we face difficulty? Do we believe it when we face trials? Do we believe it when we face circumstances that we do not understand, that we have no answers for? Can we still stand in the midst of those circumstances and say, I know that there is nothing that can harm me. There is no circumstance that can stand against God's plan for my life. I know that if God is for me, what can be against me? Do you know that if we have that knowledge in our hearts and that faith residing deep within our spirits, there will never be a circumstance in life that shakes us. There will never be something happening in our lives that causes us to lose our peace. We lose our peace because we forget that there is one who sits on the throne who is above all and is over all, and he's for us. He's not against us. Sometimes, even in this nation, we're tempted as God's people when we face the trials that we're facing and the circumstances that we're facing, we're tempted to sit and ask ourselves in our hearts, even if it's not verbally, is God really on our side? Is God really for us? This new life that Jesus Christ died to give us and rose again to give us is a life fortified by the assurance that God is for us. Number three, it's a life filled with new purpose and meaning. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know about you, but my life has a purpose and a meaning today that it never had all those years ago when I was just living for myself. God has brought me out of that pitiful life and he's brought me into this abundant life, a life where I'm no longer living for myself but I'm living for him who died for me and was raised again. Isn't that wonderful? There's such meaning and such purpose in my life because of Jesus. And every single one of us can have a purpose that goes beyond what this life can give us. We can live with meaning, with significance, and a knowledge that God has called us to be such. The fourth thing is that it is a life of of service to God. And when we talk about service to God as we read this passage, we see it's not a life of service to God out of dread, but out of gratitude and love. It's not a life of serving God as a slave, but as a son and as a daughter of God. Not as an employee, but as someone who is serving with his father, in the very kingdom he's going to inherit. There's a big difference there. We don't serve God just to serve God. As we serve God, we are actually working in the family business. Isn't that wonderful? And so he's called us in to be a part of what he's doing, not as an employee, but as a joint heir with Jesus Christ of the whole thing. And so as we serve God with our whole heart, Do you realize we're going to reap the benefits eternally? Because as we serve God, we ourselves are being rewarded. Is that clear? Number five, it's a life buoyed by vibrant hope, even in the midst of the suffering we currently face. Let me just say that again. It's a life that is buoyed by vibrant hope, even in the midst of the suffering we currently face. Do you know that as believers, we have a hope that cannot be taken away from us? Death cannot take away the hope that we have. We could be facing death, staring it in the eye, and yet we still have hope. This is the life Jesus has come to give us. It's the hope of the redemption of our bodies. Sometimes I preach in an old age home, and I look at these old people, and many of them are in wheelchairs. And many of their bodies are disintegrating, their bones are disintegrating, their organs are beginning to shut down. They're facing trials physically because of age. But I look at them and I say, do you realize there's hope for your bodies? There's hope for you. You might be in a wheelchair today, but there's coming a day when your body that is sown in weakness is gonna be raised in power. Your your body that is sown in dishonor is gonna be raised in glory. There's coming a day when your body, your lowly, weak body is gonna be conformed to the glorious body of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is the hope that the gospel gives us and it's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. That's why as God's people, we can be filled with joy because there is a hope that we have. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's a bright light. It's the glory of God. We have the hope of eternal life, the hope of immortality, the hope of the glory of God. The Bible says that one day we are going to shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. It's coming. It's coming as sure as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. The Lord Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. What a hope we have today. And we are buoyed by that hope. I remember when my grandfather died about 4 years ago he was 93 and he was a man who he was a man of God he followed Jesus Christ and I was born and from the youngest age he taught me the word of God from the youngest age he set an example for me to follow and when he died he was sitting on the on the couch in my parents home where he was staying singing hymns That's how he died, singing hymns, sitting there declaring the praise of his God and as he finished the hymn, he just went and he was gone. But I remember preaching at his funeral and as people were coming in the door, they were concerned about me. They were concerned about my emotional state and I remember one coming up to me and saying, I'm so sorry and I said to him, you know what, the reality of the hope that is in my heart far outweighs the sorrow of the loss that that he's no longer here with us. And I stood in that meeting that day and as I shared the word of God, there was a, a joy and a hope that lifted up in my spirit as I spoke about what Jesus Christ has provided for us, the hope that we have We are a people buoyed by hope. Number six, it's a life of freedom. Freedom. The Bible says it's for freedom that Jesus Christ has set us free. Freedom from what? Well, firstly, freedom from condemnation. How many of you are struggling with condemnation? Do you know that Jesus died and rose again to set us free from condemnation? The very first verse of this passage says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do we believe that today? Do we believe that God has forgiven us for our sins? That he has released us from the debt that we couldn't pay? Do we believe that God has declared us right in his eyes? That's the position we stand in today. Not because of anything we've done, whether good or bad, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood we were remembering when we took communion just now. What else did he come to set us free from? What is this life of freedom about? Secondly, it's, it's about freedom from bondage to sin. Let me just read this little part again. Romans 8 verse 2 to 4. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free. Notice those words. In Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Why? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This life is a life of freedom from bondage to sin. It's a life where we can be set free and walk free from the cords and the chain and the ensnaring power of sin. And we can live and walk our lives before God in a manner that pleases him, that he smiles upon. This is what Jesus died to bring to us. And yes, it is a process in our lives that God is taking us on. He's moving us on day by day into that place. But it's been provided for. It's the door for it is wide open. We can step out of that bondage that might be holding us and we can step into the freedom that Jesus died to give us. Thirdly, It's freedom from bondage to fear. Do you know that this world is living in bondage to fear? Firstly, the fear that drives us away from God and causes us to hide from him like Adam and Eve did in the garden. You familiar with that story? Remember when God came walking in the garden, Adam and Eve ran and they hid from him. Do you know that that's what humanity has been doing ever since? Humanity has been seeing God as this enemy, this fearful enemy who just wants to destroy us. Jesus came to change that perception. He came to bring us into the place where instead of running away from God, we run towards him, where there is a cry in our hearts, Abba, Father. We don't see him as this ogre We don't see him as this one who is just out to destroy us, but we begin to see him as the one who loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that we might not perish, but have everlasting life. It's freedom from bondage to the fear of opposition. Do you know we have fear of opposition? We fear things that might come against us, but if God be for us, What can be against us? No matter what comes our way, as we look at this passage, we see Paul had entered into this knowledge. He realized that there is nothing in all creation that can separate him from the love of God. And so there was no fear in his heart of opposition, no fear of hardship, no fear of anything that might come against him. Well, I don't know about you, But I say, Lord, let us come into that. I look at my life and I say, Lord, bring me into that. Bring me into that place. The fear of calamity, hardship, persecution, demons, the present, the future, even death itself. Jesus came to give us a life where none of these things intimidate us. We're looking at our future. You may be getting older and you're looking at your future and you're wondering, how are you going to survive? My Bible says God will be with you even to where your, your hairs turn gray. He's not going to forsake us and he's not going to leave us. We do not have to fear the future. We do not have to fear our past. We do not have to fear demons. We do not have to fear angels because we are sons and daughters of the most high God. And if he's declared us righteous, who can condemn us? If Jesus Christ died for us and rose again to represent us at the right hand of God, then who's going to accuse us? You see, this is the life that Jesus died to give us. And it's wonderful. The seventh thing it's a life lived in and by the Spirit. It's a life lived in and by the Spirit where we are assured and comforted by the Holy Spirit. How many of you understand that God has given us His Spirit? How many of you are aware of the presence, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit with us every day? Do you know that we are not alone? The Lord Jesus, before he went into heaven on the night of his betrayal, said to his apostles, I am not leaving you as orphans. I will come back again to you. And you know what he was talking about? He was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Do you know that the Lord promised that those that obey him, that the father and the son would make their home with that person. We have Jesus through the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. We have God the father in the person of the Holy Spirit living inside us. God is not far away from us. God is right with us. He is in us. And so no matter where we go, whether it's to the deepest depths, whether it's to the highest mountain, he is with us. Nothing can separate us from his presence. We have a living fellowship and a living relationship with a living God through the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is something we can enjoy every day. I tell you, I am. I am walking in this. I'm experiencing it every day. And I know that every one of you here who belongs to the Lord Jesus is is experiencing it as well, even if we don't recognize it or don't realize it. He's comforting us. He's assuring us constantly. The Bible said in this passage, he bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. There's that inward witness that he brings. When our minds begin to go into turmoil, the presence of the Holy Spirit, he's there to comfort us and assure us. And I tell you, he's working overtime with me because I need it all the time. I wake up in the middle of the night and I start thinking about things and then here he comes to comfort and assure me and I'm able to sleep in peace. Isn't that wonderful? It's a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered to call God Father. Empowered by Him to put to death the sinful deeds of our body. Empowered by Him to bear fruit for God. To live lives that please God beyond measure. It's a life where we are taught by the Spirit where the things of God begin to uh, begin to make sense to us things that we didn't understand he reveals to us this is reality this is the work of the holy spirit in every believer god is making himself known to us through the scriptures and through the work of the holy spirit as we study and as we read them it's a life where we are helped in our weakness by the Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you always know what to pray? In every situation, I mean, you just know exactly what you should pray. Well, if you're like me, most of the time I don't know. Most of the time I get on my knees and I say, Father, I don't even know what to pray. I don't know what your will in this situation is. But you know the Holy Spirit is here to help us. And that word help literally means this. If we were gonna pick up that piano, and I'm going to that piano to pick it up, and I'm trying to do it by myself, I'm gonna fail. But if Ian jumps up and says, let me help you, and he grabs the other end and I grab this end, together we are able to move that obstacle. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. When we're facing situations that are too big for us, beyond our ability to cope with, beyond our ability to understand and explain, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and he grabs the other side and he lifts it with us. And suddenly we find it moving. God gives us victory. This is not just theory. This is reality. It's a life where we are constantly transformed by the Spirit. Do you know that He's at work in us? I thank God, even though I'm not yet what God wants me to be, I thank God I'm not what I used to be. What that means is that I'm on a journey. And every single one of us is in that same place. The good work which God begun in us, the Bible says he will carry on to completion until the very day of Christ. We are walking day by day. We are being transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory to glory to glory. And who's working that transformation in us? It's the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's open our hearts to it. Let's say, Lord, change me. Change me into the very image of your son. That's what he wants to do. Lastly, and I mentioned this, it's having a constant fellowship with the Spirit. A constant fellowship with the Holy Spirit. What Ian and Craig have been sharing are tools. They've been giving you tools so that we can can walk in this. They've been giving practical tools so that you can walk in this. Today I'm giving you more a a vision if you want to put it that way. But it's the tools that they've been giving us over the past few weeks and probably in the weeks to come that are going to enable us as we put them into practice to actually begin to experience what we're talking about today more and more. And so I want to encourage you today. Don't limit God in your life. Don't limit God in your life. If he was to open our eyes and we were to see him today and we were to see the glorious scenes that are in heaven and we were to see who we really are worshiping and who we really say is our God and Father, if we were to see the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ today, I tell you, I wonder how we would be living our lives. God wants us to see him for who he is. That's why worship, when we come together, is such an important part of what we do because there's something that happens in worship where our eyes begin to get open to who he is. It's so wonderful when we sing songs like we sang today, just declaring his majesty, his greatness, his faithfulness because we begin to see who we serve. And so I just want to, Encourage you today. This message is, an, uh, is a message of encouragement. It's a message of hope. It's a message of inspiration. And it's a message of exhortation. It's a call to come into the deep things of God. Enter into the fullness of what Jesus died to give us. There's a whole lake. There's a whole sea of God's grace out there. Let's not just paddle around in the shallows. Let's swim right out into the deep. Let's go out to where we are just trusting in Him as we sang that song it's the very song that we sang oceans deep that we'll go right out into the middle where we're just dependent on God and we're seeing the miracles of the Holy Spirit and we're experiencing the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and we're so aware of the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ isn't this wonderful as you can see I'm excited I don't know about any of you but I am. This is the life, this is the new life. This is what Jesus has called us into. This is what God is calling every one of us into. And today, as Craig alluded to earlier, maybe there's some of you, you're in this building today. Maybe you've been coming to church for some time, but you've never really taken that step, that step, that definite step towards God. You've heard, you've heard the, the gospel being preached, you've heard the teachings, but you know in your heart that you've never crossed that line. You've never really become one of his. You've never entered into that place where you've said, Lord, I give you my life. I want to be yours. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want to have your Holy Spirit in my life. And you've never come to that place. Today is the day. Now is the time that you can take that step and you can come into that relationship with God. It's been freely made available to every single one of us. The only thing that holds us back so often is just fear. We fear, "What what might it mean to me? Well, I tell you, if you'll take that step, What we just read is what it'll mean to you. And so I want to encourage you today. And I'm gonna pray for you right now, every one of you. I know there are people in this place today that fall into that category. And we don't look down upon you and we don't criticize you or condemn you. We're just saying, Lord, we want to see you come into this. We want to see you in the kingdom of God, one of his children, one of his sons, one of his daughters. So if there's anyone in this place here today that is in that category, we're going to stand right now and I'm going to just, I'm just going to lead us all in a prayer. And then I'm going to ask you, if you've prayed that prayer because you want to take that step towards God, I'm going to ask you to come down to the front here so that we can talk to you and just pray with you personally. Uh, Ian is here and Craig is here and there are other people in the, in the ministry team, the prayer team that will also be here to do that. Don't feel ashamed. Don't feel embarrassed. I tell you, every one of us in this room has come this way. We have come this way to God. And I know that if you do it, the Lord Jesus is gonna meet you. The person of the Holy Spirit will meet you today. So if I can just ask if everyone will stand Father, we thank you today. We thank you for this wonderful, wonderful truth, the realities of this new life. And I'm praying, Father, for every person here today that even though they may have been coming to church, they have never taken that definite step of committing their lives into your hands. They've never moved out in a public place to receive you as Lord. I pray for them today. I pray that, Father, not one person would leave this place today without coming into that relationship, that definite relationship with the Spirit of the living God. And so, Father, I pray, help each person here right now to take the step who needs to do so. Let's just lift our hands before the Father in heaven. And if that's you today, I want you just to lift your hands and just say this prayer after me. We're going to all say it together. Just say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming to this earth to die for me, to take my sins upon yourself at the cross. I thank you for rising again to save me, to give me a hope, and to give me a future. Lord Jesus, you loved me this way, and today I want to respond to your love. I'm asking you, to receive me i'm asking you to make me a new person to give me new birth into this new life so that i can experience all that we've been hearing about today i ask this today humbly and sincerely in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for answering me. Amen.